Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash malicious compliance, where OP completely destroys his boss's company. Our next Reddit post is from Free as a Bird. So, I thought that I landed a dream job at a small media company that had gone all in on digital media and marketing a few years prior, and it started to land some really big clients, such as the National Health Service. The company was comprised of two owners. We'll call them Jeff and Nigel. Jeff was the light-hearted, approachable, and more tech-oriented member of this double act. Nigel was the straight man, less approachable, and less likely to join us in any social antics, but ultimately a seemingly decent guy and the main driver of the business. In addition, there was an office manager, James, who was Nigel's other half, and Rachel, an office assistant and good friend of Nigel. The rest of the workforce made up the media team, which was comprised of a senior and a junior designer, a senior and junior dev, and me, another senior dev. What made this a dream job for me at the time? Well, on top of the fact that they were doing some great work with what was at the time cutting-edge technology, it was an overall great place to be. Flexible work hours, lots of holidays, and lots of social events. To give you a better idea, during most lunch times, Jeff and the media team would all go out for lunch together or play a FIFA tournament, or go to the pub to mob on a new place, etc. Most importantly for this story, every Friday we would all finish an hour early at 4pm instead of 5pm and then head to the pub to have a couple of drinks together. It was a very open place to work at the time, and the two owners were clear on how they expected the business to expand and our future positions within such an expanded company. Basically, you know all those perks that potential employers claim that they give you during the interview? Well, we were actually doing it. They were receptive to new ideas or different ways of doing things, and they regularly included us in sales meetings, and we could see the direction the company was going in. Everybody who worked there was excited, and I honestly thought that I'd be there for the rest of my career. However, things changed. As time went on, the company became more successful, and with more success came more recognition, more clients, more money, and more greed. I won't go into too much detail, but by the time of the main event in this story a couple of years after I started there, this open and relaxed workplace had become hell. There were no longer flexible hours. You had to be in at 8.50am to get ready at your machine, and you didn't power down until 5pm at the earliest unless you'd been asked to stay late to churn out more unpaid work. There were no more lunchtime socials. There was a lunchtime rotation that stated who could go for lunch and when, so we could no longer take lunch together. Despite the ever-growing workload of more complex and larger websites, no new members were added to the team. Even when the other lead developer left, no replacement was found. On top of this, despite the growing workload and shortening deadlines, promises of raises and bonuses never came to fruition, which was especially galling when coupled with the fact that, by now, both owners were getting a new car every six months. Nigel also made it clear that, with the success of the company as it was, his plan was to sell it at the ripe age of 45 and semi-retire to a life of travel, writing, and photography, despite the fact that he was mediocre at both of these things. And he didn't give a second thought for the rest of us. The business was now being run in a manner that allowed the owners to line their pockets with as much cash as possible, while also making it look like a good takeover prospect. The only perk that remained was the 4pm Friday finish, and at this point, instead of going for a drink together, we all just went home early. Morale was low. One Friday afternoon, Nigel, Jeff, and James went to visit a prospective client. Rachel was off for some reason, which left nobody in charge of the office. Expecting the usual early finish, everybody had completed their work by 4pm, but having not received any word from the owners, we hung on. 
At around 4.50 p.m. and with nothing else to do, we collectively decided, F it, and we lock up and go home. Apparently, at about 4.51 p.m., Nigel had tried to call the office, probably to tell us to go home, but of course, we'd already left. Monday morning, every one of us was called into the main office, given a bollocking, and told that a planned upcoming social event was now cancelled. It was probably cancelled already anyways, but why not use it as a punishment? Also, they said that our wages were going to be docked for leaving early. Now, here in the UK, it's very naughty to make deductions from a salary unless it's for a legally mandated reason. Taxes, national insurance, student loans, etc. So, I didn't think that this last threat would actually happen. We were paid weekly, so I didn't have to wait long to find out. But sure enough, that Friday, there was a deduction from my wages as well as the wages of everyone else on the media team. I approached the owners about it, but I was basically given the same speech that I was given on Monday. The law has been a particular interest of mine, and it still is. And while I'm no lawyer or any kind of expert, I know enough to stand up for myself and those around me. And so, with the backing of the rest of the media team, I sent what may be considered a notice before action just prior to leaving on Friday. The notice before action was a formally worded email to both owners stating my grievance, the illegal deduction from salary, and my proposed resolution. The repayment of the deducted salary in our next paycheck, along with a formal apology to everyone on the team. Failure to do so would mean the engagement of legal services. On Monday morning, the owners arrived late, and instead of Nigel's customary visit to the media room to ask how we were, that is to say, making sure we were slaving away, they both retreated directly to their office and shut the door. This was shortly followed by an email to all of us stating that, due to my threat and after taking legal advice, they had been told to cease direct communication with any of us until the matter was resolved. The resolution that they wanted was for me to make a full apology to them and to agree that my salary should remain deducted. All communication should be via email. Now, I'm reasonably sure that they hadn't gotten any actual legal advice on the matter, and if they had, it was garbage. First off, a decent lawyer would have told them they were idiots for doing what they did and to just give the money back and apologize. Secondly, because the entire point of a notice before action is to try to find a resolution before taking any legal action, by closing up shop in this manner, they practically force a legal engagement. My belief is that they were simply trying to call my bluff, and they didn't think that I would take this any further. They reinforced this by adding to their email that any further communication about the deduction from our wages would have to come from my legal representation. I, of course, was not bluffing, and I complied with their request. What they didn't know was that a member of my family was not only educated in employment law, but also a union rep at another company. So, by the end of the day, a legally drafted letter arrived on the owner's desk laying out the illegalities of what had happened as well as the expected timeline of events moving forward. Within 30 days, we were to have a formal meeting between the owners and myself, with me entitled to have legal representation present in that meeting, and with the expectation that my demands were to be met since they had no defense. Should that not occur, this would be going to a tribunal, or maybe even full court, with the company liable for expenses. This was a slam dunk, so they would end up with a relatively hefty bill. Instead of folding, as I expected them to do, this led to them doubling down on their stupidity. Their door was permanently shut, with very little direct communication between the whole media team and the owners, with all communication being done mostly by email or via Rachel or James. At this point, Rachel and James, who were obviously on good terms with Nigel, became openly hostile towards me. For example, Rachel would make everybody in the office a coffee in the morning. 
Now it was everybody except me. Seemingly, neither the owners nor Rachel or James seemed to understand that I had the full backing of the rest of the team. The rest of the team didn't have the know-how or the will to fight it themselves, but they were aware of the downhill trajectory of the working environment and that my actions were preventing the bosses from making the workplace even more toxic. Now, the environment had become exceptionally toxic and nobody wanted to be there. Everyone in the media team, including me, started actively looking for different employment. If I remember correctly, the deadline for the meeting came and went, so my representative sent another formal letter to my employer stating that this would be going to tribunal. This letter also stated that I would be leaving the company immediately and I would be claiming constructive dismissal due to the actions of the owners, James, and Rachel, which had all been logged over the previous weeks. By dragging things out so much, all they really did was give me an opportunity to log all these extra cases of workplace bullying. Receiving this letter was the last straw, and their resolve was broken. An apology was sent via email, along with a promise that the money would be returned to our next paycheck. I had had enough, however, and I immediately handed in my notice, which I believe was four weeks. I hadn't found another job yet, but I decided to move to the city anyway and go freelance. Before my notice period ended, the junior designer also handed her notice in, also to go freelance. And within a few months of me leaving, the junior developer and senior designer did the same. The business owned by Jeff and Nigel was essentially dead, with many of their existing clients seeking us out to continue doing work for them on a freelance basis. I learned that Jeff and Nigel eventually had a falling out, with Jeff resigning as a director and becoming CTO at another tech company. Nigel renamed and rebranded the old company and attempted to carry on somehow. But to this day, the examples of work on their webpage are still the ones that we made 15 years ago. Most of his examples aren't actually his clients anymore or are defunct. I also learned, as we'd all suspected, that Jeff wanted nothing to do with the wage deductions. Although, I'm not sure how hard he fought against it. Looking at the public details of the businesses that Nigel now owns, it's clear that none of them make any money. And his travel and photography blog stopped being updated a few years ago. Nigel's plans to retire early and travel the world are probably now permanently on hold, as is his penchant for a new car every few months. And what was the amount deducted from our wage that caused Nigel to lose his business? $6.80. <laughs> OP, that was the most expensive $7 I've ever heard of in my entire life. Bravo, OP. Our next Reddit post is from Epic Winterwolf. This happened about 30 odd years ago, and my mother recounted it recently during a family dinner. So, back in the 1990s, my mom worked for this big-time company as an accountant. We'll call the company Company W. Her boss, the head of finance, was a sleazy guy. And despite being semi-wealthy and married with kids, he always tried to pick up younger women in the office. Eventually, after several years, my mom, being the amazing accountant that she is, noticed small irregularities in several statements. I don't know the technical terms, but mom realized that someone was embezzling the company's money for at least a couple of decades. Concerned, she brought it up with the head of finance, who proceeded to demean her, call her names, botch her claim, and basically threatened to fire her if she brought it up again. My mother is not one to start crying, and instead sought to prove him wrong. However, a couple of months later, the head of finance brought in a new lady who was young, blonde, and fresh out of college to train under my mom. My mother instantly knew what this was and started putting out feelers for a new job. In the meanwhile, she trained the younger lady who, to quote my mom, was not the brightest bulb. Now, Company W had a policy when an employee was going to be fired. 
If the employee was being fired, they would be allowed to say that they quit to be able to give their week's notice and get pay. It was a fair policy. So, one day, Mom was summoned by the head of finance and told that he was firing her. She quickly counteracted and used the policy to her advantage, which angered the head of finance, but he had to comply. And the malicious compliance that I know you're waiting for? The head of finance told my mother, in a rather rude way, that since she was going about it that way, she might as well do an exit interview. My mother had a light bulb moment and said to him, in that case, she would. It's worth noting that an exit interview is a formal way of leaving a job, kind of like an interview for getting the job in the first place. It's a way for employees to share their experience and explain why they're leaving and explain everything to HR. You can see where this is going. So, my mom was scheduled for an exit interview. When she went in, my mother had to, of course, bring in files related to her work and show it to the interviewer. My mom brought in three large boxes of files, each one containing evidence of the embezzlement. She then presented it to the interviewer, who my mom told me was rather stunned, and proceeded to hand over all the evidence and proceed with her exit, including talking about the head of finance's reaction to her revelation that there was embezzlement going on and how not long after, the new lady was brought in to replace her. Mom then left the company that day, got new employment, and moved on. It was a decade later that my mom learned what happened. My dad was a delivery driver at the time and actually made a delivery to Company W. While he was there, he talked with an employee, mentioned my mom had worked there and how she left, and the employee told him quite a juicy story. In the year following my mom's departure, her evidence was brought to HR and the CEO, who ordered an internal investigation. Hidden cameras were placed in the accounting division, and every file was screened and photocopied. Tiny details were scrutinized, and bank records were triple-checked. I think you can see where this is going. Yep, the head of finance was embezzling from Company W. But it gets better. They catch this guy on camera, making out with a new girl inside the main office after hours. To add insult to injury, the cameras also caught him being cruel to those under him, touching other women, etc. But the biggest thing was still the embezzlement. The head of finance managed to, in over 30 years, steal over $1 million in Company W's earnings. It started when he was merely an accountant and continued up through all of his promotions. Now, my dad wasn't able to learn the exact way that this guy embezzled so much money, but he did learn the fallout. The head of finance was summoned to the Big Cheese's office the day after the evidence was compiled. And let's just say the head of finance wished he had simply been fired. He was arrested for the embezzlement, the sexual misconduct, and a few other things my dad can't recall. The new girl who came in actually revealed that he had brought her in after he started dating her. And he even revealed to her what he was doing. Her job, basically, was to help him cover it up so they could live the rich life. She didn't even know what accounting was other than managing money. The perfect cover, so to speak. And if the now ex-hit of finance thought that being arrested and charged was bad enough, then his wife found out. The employee who told my dad this hadn't been present when the wife came in while the hit of finance had been let out, but a friend of his had seen what happened. Apparently, the wife had gone up to the guy, slapped him in the face, and started screaming obscenities at him, then saying that she'll be seeing him in court for a divorce. While my dad couldn't learn exactly what happened next, it was clear that this guy's life was ruined. And my mom, while not a vindictive person by any means, did feel somewhat joyful over that outcome. The lesson to be learned here, never screw with an accountant who actually knows what they're doing. Oh my god, imagine being fired, arrested, and divorced the same day. I almost want to feel bad for him if not for the fact that he completely deserved it.
Out of curiosity, I looked up the penalty for embezzlement, and it varies pretty significantly by state. However, one thing that's true across all these states is that the penalties rack up really quickly. For example, in Idaho, if you embezzle more than $10,000, you can have up to 20 years in prison. Meanwhile, in Illinois, if you embezzle between 10k and 100k, you can get 3 to 7 years in prison. <laughs> so, suffice to say, embezzling more than a million dollars, we're looking at at least a decade in jail. That was our slash malicious compliance, and if you like this content, check out my Patreon where I publish extra episodes. Also, be sure to follow this podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.